Once you take your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, chapter 12. And let's spend some time talking to the Lord today. <clears throat> let's just say you go out and you're, you walk among the people, and let's say that you have one question in mind that you'd like to ask. Um, and that question in life that you'd like to ask people is something like this. What's, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of life? Let's say you may be in the workplace or you may be out just in the mall or you may be, you know, at a, at a ball game or wherever, but you're, 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 you just want to ask some people, what's the question of, what's the purpose of life? What are some, what are some answers that you, you might think you might receive here? Here are just a couple. Some, some people might say, well, to, to have all the fun I can, and maybe that's one. Maybe, maybe another one might be to acquire as much as, as possible. Another person might, might say something like, to leave my, my, my mark on the world or to, or to have a good life. Uh, another person might say to be successful, but then you'd have to turn around and say, well, how would you define success? You know, as we've been walking through the book of Ecclesiastes, this is the thing that I've been reminded of, that Solomon himself was a man just like us. He was a human being. He was in a little bit different time era, but he had flesh and blood just like us. He was in a little bit different position because he had just about everything that you could ever dream or imagine. But this is a man who struggled. This is a man who wrestled with some of the issues of life, just like we do. And in that wrestling, he, one of the questions he asked was, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? And Solomon later on uh, in life would, would, would write down some of those, some of those findings. And, and, it, and you heard it, you've heard it said time and time again, meaningless, meaningless. It's all, it's all meaningless. And he wrestled. And... Uh, I can imagine Solomon near the end of his life coming to grips with his own mortality of the fact that time is short. There's not a lot of time left. And you know, when you come to that place of recognizing that time is short, all of a sudden, things begin to change. Some things that used to not be important all of a sudden become important, and things that were important maybe not be as important. Are you with me? Are we on the same wavelength? <clears throat> Solomon's at that place in life. And he's asking sort of, the, sort of maybe the thought process behind this is, is something maybe along the lines of there's got to be more to this life than this life because I've had everything that you can imagine, yet I'm still wrestling on the inside. I'm still struggling. And just like Solomon... There are those of us in this room that are still wrestling today. So what a privilege it is to come to the end of Ecclesiastes and Solomon's writing to see how he finalizes things today in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. But before we, we read Solomon's concluding remarks, I want to pray for you today because I have no earthly idea. Maybe you've come today because it's part of your habit. Maybe it's just part of your routine. Maybe you come today because you're really seeking to hear something from the Lord. Maybe you're here today because somebody invited you and they wanted to, you maybe thought you'd get a free lunch out of it. I, I really don't know. 
but you're here. And my prayer is this, is that you'll hear something today in God's word and the Holy Spirit would speak to you. It may be for the first time, it may be for the first time in a long time, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you, not me, and there would be something that would be beneficial to you that would be life-changing. That's what I pray. So let me pray for you today as we begin. Father, Lord, I'm, I'm just asking that as we come to this place, that everything that we do wouldn't be about any person, but everything that we would do would be about you and bringing you glory, that you would unveil yourself in the midst of the word today in such a way that there would be one of those wow moments. One of those moments that just sort of takes our breath away, that we're able to identify with what the Word has to say, and that we would understand, Father, just how much you love us, how deep you care for us, um, how real that you truly are. Father, I pray that in the midst of our time together today, that as we read your Word, that we would sense the, the, the emotion, the tension, the discovery within Solomon's words. I pray today, Father, as we hear what's been written, that you would teach us something, that you would unveil something to us, that we would have that aha moment. That we would heed the words that we will hear today, and they would be life-changing. Father, may you honor the reading of your word today. For the person that's here that doesn't know you, Maybe even today would be that time where they say, Father, I don't understand it all, but this is what I know. I'd love to have a relationship with you. May even this be that day, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's start out with Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and let's see if we can read together and see what Solomon has to say. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1, 1 through 8, and let's read. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Verse 2, remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, if your few remaining servants start grinding, stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along with energy, without energy like a dying grasshopper and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you were young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return 
to God who gave it. And then he says in verse 8, which we've heard many times before, everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Write this down. Remember, remember who made you. Remember your creator. And write this down also as a sub-point. Trust, trust the Lord and, and see what he has to say in verse 1. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life isn't pleasant anymore. You know, it's really easy to forget, isn't it? Aren't we a forgetful people? We're very, very forgetful. Um, as a matter of fact, it, we see in the scriptures where the people of God forgot the faithfulness of God over and over and over again. How many times have you forgotten God's faithfulness in your own life? Just think about that. For those of us that are followers of Christ, how many times have you forgotten just how faithful God has been to you? His protection, His provision. I mean, think of what, think of what the Lord had done in just the, the lives of the Israelite people. I mean, how he, had, how he had brought them out of slavery and how He had carried them through the wilderness and how He had protected them and how He had, he had provided for them in the promise and then He provided for them the promised land. I mean, so much had happened up until that point. So much that they could reflect on, yet it was so easy to forget. So easy to forget. And when we forget, it's like our trust seems to wane. When's the last time you sat down and you just wrote down a list of all the things that you're thankful for and the things that the Lord has done in your own personal life? Because if you don't do it, I promise you this, you will forget. That's one of the reasons in every February we will always go back as a church family and we will remember God's faithfulness for blessing us with what he's blessed us with. It was God's faithfulness. God blessed us with this. It, was, it wasn't but anything that we did. It was the faithfulness of God's people and just his blessing on us, not anything that we did. And we never want to forget that blessing. But it's so easy to forget and it's easy to, to specifically Forget in the days of our youth. And he says, Solomon said, honor him in the days of our youth. You know what? <laughs> How many of you did some stupid things when you were young? Sometimes in life we say, you know, I'll just wait till I get a little bit older. But how many of those, of those things in life that we did early on, those sinful ways that we practice early on, end up showing up the consequences later on in life? I mean, just think about it. Those sins that we create, that we end up causing great pain in our life, that we, we walk through early on in life, end up affecting us the rest of our lives. Maybe they're, they're financial, they're moral, they're emotional, they're relational. But for whatever reason, Solomon says, listen, honor the Lord in your youth before you grow old and say life isn't pleasant anymore. What are some of the benefits of coming to know the Lord and walk with him early, early on? What are some of those benefits? That's a question. John Temple, an educator. What are some of the benefits of following the Lord early on? Give me one. 
That's great. Set those, get those habits in place early on. Somebody else, what are some of the, what are some of the, the reasons or so what, what are some of the benefits of, of learning to love the Lord early on and following him? What are they? What are some of the benefits? Being faithful, staying faithful. What else? Peace. Avoid the pitfalls. Strength to get through the hard times. What else? Hope. Early on in life, God's faithfulness. You know, when, when, you, when you're following early on, maybe later on down the life, you won't have the complications. But if you early on, you set that solid foundation when you follow him for the future, you save yourself an awful lot of heartache. There's a greater sense of purpose and clarity. Just, just really curious, how many of you started following the Lord after age 25? Raise your hand. How many of you started following the Lord before uh, age 18? Raise your hand. This right here shows you how important it is uh, in those formative years of working with children and teenagers. But I've never met too many people that were 25 and above that accepted the Lord that wouldn't go back and said, I wish I could go back and follow him earlier on in life. Because usually they've come to know the Lord later on in life and they're having to deal with an awful lot of heartache and things of the past. We have the ability early on to make some decisions that are life-changing and to be able to trust Christ early on. And so he says, trust him and honor him in those early years before life isn't pleasant anymore. Write this down. Enjoy the journey. And, and this, is, this is really good. These next few verses are so powerful. I don't want you to sit and absorb what Solomon is saying here. Listen, man, just listen at what he says. Listen at the description of growing old that Solomon's describing. And I wonder if he's, if he's writing down about his own life and some of the things that he personally is experiencing. Listen to what he says. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Let me tell you something, guys. There's a time in life when things won't go as you plan them to. There's a, there's a season in life, man, when you're capable of doing an awful lot of stuff and life is pleasant, but then there will be that time in life when things aren't really pleasant any longer. And I want you to listen to what he has to say here, starting in verse 3. And listen at the parts of the body that he describes. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble. Any knee replacements in this place? He says, he says, and before your shoulders, the strong men begin to stoop. I want you to, to some of you, this may all of a sudden begin to throw a picture of a, of a, of a parent or a grandparent or somebody in your life as we walk. I want you to think of the picture that's being painted. Remember him before your, your teeth, <laughs> your, fainting, your, your few remaining servants, the ones that you have left, Stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly cataracts. Remember him before the, do the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. You can't do what you used to could do. Nobody's knocking on your door any longer because 
You're not as valuable as you once were. You're not the workhorse that you once used to be. Are you with me? Hmm. The older you get. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds. Now, now you do. And he says, but then their sounds will grow faint. Caleb was fussing at me this morning. Daddy, you can't hear anything. I said, son, the time is coming. <laughs> Do you remember? I mean, you remember. You've got people around you, but you just, you just don't. Sometimes it's selective hearing. I understand that. Men, we all understand that, right? But then there's this time you're like, why are you mumbling? I'm not mumbling. Well, I just don't. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. But the sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about the danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. (laughs) And the caperberry. And you guys think the blue pill was the first... Might as well get it on out there, right? Might as well throw it on out. Y'all are thinking about it. Men, we'll have a class after this, so if you want to stay back, we'll talk. No longer inspires sexual desire. He says, remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral this old body guys wasn't made to last forever and the older you get the more you come to realize that's the 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 reality of that see in your 20s 30s and 40s man you can you can make it happen but when you start hitting that 50 and 60 things start to change things start to change things start to break down and the aches and the pains And what he's saying, the thought is here is don't wait till you're older in life to trust the Lord, but come to know him early on so that you can enjoy the benefits of knowing him and walking with him. Hmm. None of us know how much sand's left at the top of the, the hourglass, do we? We don't know that. But what we do know is that death is coming. And write that down because death is inevitable. And he says here in verse 6, Remember your creator now while you were young before the silver cord. And, and look at the, what he's trying to say here. And he gives some illustration. The fragileness of life. The silver cord of life snaps. The golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring. And the pulley is broken at the well. In other words, man, listen. At any moment. At any moment, life could change. At any moment, it could change. And then he goes on there in, verse, in the next verse, in verse 7, he says, For then the dust will return to the earth, and the Spirit will return to God who, who gave it. If you remember the curse back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, talks about from the body, from dust to dust. And then um, we, also, we also know this, that this old body is going right back to the earth. Right on back to the earth. But if we've placed our faith in Christ, there's that eternity for those of us that have placed our faith in Christ. But there's an eternity period because there's an eternity for those of us that 
haven't placed our faith in Christ, but it's an eternal separation from our Heavenly Father. And what Solomon recognizes, and he says it again in verse 8, he says, listen, he says, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. The same way he starts out the book is the same way he's finishing it out. Everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. But at some point in life, some point in life, hopefully you'll recognize that life without God is meaningless. Some point in life, some place, hopefully before it's too late, that you'll recognize. Because really, in, in, in all essence, there's two types of people. There are those that, that walk with the Lord. There are those that don't walk with the Lord. There are those that believe, that know the Lord, and there are those that don't. There are those that have come to the conclusion that there is a God, that there is no meaning apart from God, and there are those that are still searching in life. There are those that recognize who God is and how much he loves them, and there are those that have meaning and purpose in life, and there are those that are still seeking to discover why they are here. But for those of us that have come to know God and to trust him, it changes things. It changes our perspective. It changes the way that we live. And look at what he says in verses 9 through 14, because that second point is not only remember our Creator, but not only remember Him, but revere Him. Revere Him, respect Him. And look at what he says in there in verse 9 and following. Keep this in mind, the teacher was considered wise. He taught the people everything that he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express, express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle frogs, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick in which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. But here's the final conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is everyone's duty. For God will judge everything that we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Write this down. Seek after the truth and wisdom. And he says in verse 9, keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything that he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. Solomon had plenty of time on his hands. He could do whatever he wanted to do, and he spent a lot of time studying the Word. He spent a lot of time in the Word. He was a student of the Word. My question to you is, how much time do you spend in the Word? How much time do you spend trying to, to hear the voice of God? How much time do you seek after the wisdom of God by, by spending time in the Word? How much time do you spend looking for insight and for direction? Or is Sunday your only cram time of the week? Man, it's just not enough. It's impossible. The Scripture says in 2 Timothy, man, work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly explains the word of truth. But Solomon just wasn't, a, a te he wasn't just a, a teacher of the word. He wasn't just a student of the word, but he was also a discipler of other people. You can write that down. He discipled others. It said in verse 10, the teacher sought to, to find just the right words to express the truths clearly. Not just to, not just to sit down and to study but how do I take what I've learned and my experiences and how do I pour that into somebody else? 
so that they too can come to understand and to know. Several years ago, you guys know, and I've shared the story with you, I'd taken a walk, I'd asked the Lord, Lord, I really need to hear your voice. And a part of that time was, was, was walking with him and, and just talking to the Lord. And at the end of that journey, the Lord said to me, I'd went and I'd got somebody, and I, I, matter of fact, it was Steve Whitaker, and I, and I walked Steve, and I, and I told Steve as I walked him through what I had walked through, the Lord spoke to me and said, you can't take anybody down the path that you first haven't been. You know, for us, for us to be disciplers, for us to be teachers, for us to be able to, to disciple other people, we first have to walk down a path. You have to walk down a, a road. And it's important for us as, as, as not only to know God's Word, but to disciple others, to be able to share our experiences and how, how God's Word applies to our lives. And look at what he says in verse 11. The words of the wise are like cattle prods or goads. Your, your, your translation may say goads. It's a rod that had... Um, that had sharp, sharp points on it. It was like they could, they could you know, take and prod the, the animal to move along. If you say you got an oxen in the field and you want him to move, you just you poke him so to make, to make he, you know, he, he goes on, he moves. And he says here, it's painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick in which a shepherd drives the sheep. And I want you to listen to the story because this is so important. It's piercing and it's prodding, and it's provoking. They tell of a story in reference to shepherds and sheep, that from time to time that you would have a sheep that would want to get out of the, he would want to do his own thing. He'd have a rogue sheep. He'd want to wander away from the, from the herd. And so that shepherd would bring him back in, and he would wander off again, and he would bring him back in, and he would wander off again. So at that point in time, the shepherd had to make some he had to make some choices, Steve. What was he going to do? I mean, was he just going to let the sheep go off and be eaten by a predator? Was he himself going to use him as a meal? Um, or was he going to allow him to be able to have an influence in the lives of the other sheep? What was he going to do? Sometimes that shepherd would go to the, to the, to the nth degree, something that was extremely difficult and it was painful, not only for the sheep, but it was also painful and overwhelming for the shepherd. He would take that sheep away from the herd and he would break its leg. And then he would set the leg of that sheep. And then what he would have to do is he would, knowing, and you have to understand what the shepherd was going to have to do because he knew that breaking the leg of that sheep, what he was now doing is he was going to force himself to have to care for that sheep day after day after day until that leg mended. He would take that sheep and he would put it upon his shoulders and he would walk to that, with that sheep wherever he went because the sheep never stayed in one place for very long. They would have to take those sheep from place to place and as he, as he walked his herd from wherever he went, he would have that sheep upon his shoulders. He would have to feed that sheep and he would have to water that sheep. And eventually that sheep would become very dependent on him and as, as that leg would heal, eventually he could introduce him back but that sheep would never leave the side of the shepherd because he had become dependent on the shepherd. Are you with me? And here he's saying, he's saying, talking about the words of the wise, God's word being like cattle progs, poking us along. I want you to think about that. 
And I want you to think about this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where he says, The Word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than any any the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. But you can trust the shepherd that even in the times of discipline, he loves the sheep. Are you with me? He loves the sheep. And Solomon is talking in reference to the Word of God, the, the, the written Word. And he's using the illustration of, the, of cattle progs. But here, I want you to, in reference to this, that the shepherd himself, that he came down. That the Bible talks in reference to Jesus, that the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And the Bible teaches us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, God's grace and wisdom and truth manifested, manifested for us in the presence and in the person of Jesus Christ Himself. We have that ability. The Word of God, personal, personal growth, personal discipleship, we have it written out for us. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, but my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. Man, you can read all you want to. Man, you can spend so much time studying alternative issues, searching for meaning and purpose in life. You can even write your own books, but God's given us everything that we need right here. And he's given us everything that we need in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't want to write this down, concluding thoughts in verse 13. That's the whole story. That's it. Now, here's my final conclusion. So we've come down down to this point. All the stuff that he's told us, he's brought us down to this point, and he says, fear God and obey his commands. Pretty simple. Fear God, keep his commands. For this is everyone's duty. For God will judge us every God will judge us for everything that we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And it's really funny because up until this time, Solomon has said that everything is meaningless. But all of a sudden, he's saying that it's not really meaningless, is it? You mean to tell me that there is meaning? And that everything that I do, that one day I'm going to have to give an account for everything that I do. That there is a God in heaven and I'm going to have to give an account for it. That one day there is going to be a judgment. Hmm. The Bible says that we'll have to give an account. And either we'll be on that place where our sins are pardoned because of our relationship with Jesus Christ or we'll be punished in hell. No sin, no person who sins will slip by unjudged though. For the believer, it's not in reference to salvation because our sins have been forgiven. Romans 3.24, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. In other words, our salvation isn't in question. What's in question is how how, what have we done with what God's given us? 
how have we lived and how we've used the blessings, the gifts, the treasures that God has blessed us with. But for the person that doesn't know Christ, that person has to stand before the Lord and give an account. And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, this is what it says, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It's a judgment. It's unreversible. And it's for eternity. No options. Either you're in or either you're out. That's it. But Solomon, fear God and keep his commandments. That's what he said. And that's how he ends. About a month ago, it's probably been about a month and a half ago, I had another one of those dreams. One of those very difficult emotional dreams that was overwhelming. Um, I think I shared with Meredith, I'm not really sure, <clears throat> but it was to the point that I woke up in the middle of the night and I was so, so restless and I was so beaten down and I was exhausted. Um, and at that point in time, the only thing that I could think, think about was trying to get back so that I could try to finish up and try to hear what God was saying to me. Because I'll have these every once in a while and God's trying to speak to me. And then to try to explain it to you, I was, I was so mentally and so emotionally exhausted and drained when I woke up. Because to tell you my dream, I was going from door to door to door to door begging people. To trust Jesus. Begging people to trust Jesus. And I was telling them, it's your last chance. There is no opportunity. There is no more time. There, it's, it's over with. There, there, there is not a, an, another, another chance. I mean, there's, you have to understand me in person after person after person was closing the door. Person after person after person was was just sort of smiling and just sort of saying, you know, and turning and walking away. And it was so difficult and so overwhelming because I was literally begging them, don't do it. Turn back. Turn to Jesus. And it was so vivid to me because there were names that were, that were in this. There were the names of people like you. I wish I had written down those names. But people that would say no. No. And they would turn and they would walk away. And I thought to myself in reference to this, and maybe I was thinking about that because I was walking through the book of Ecclesiastes and maybe I was just, I don't know. But I thought today, you know, the, as, I, as I walked through and as I thought about that dream, the last thing that I want to do is have on my mind not knowing whether or not somebody trusted Christ and not giving them an opportunity to, to receive Christ. You know, I, I, I thought, you know, what's it like to look people in the eye and say, I just want to know without a shadow of a doubt, you know, Dave Johnson, where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend eternity? You know, Jim, Jim, where will you spend eternity? Or Mike, where will you spend eternity? 
You know, how powerful is that for us to be able to look at Sandy Jones, where will you spend eternity? And Susie, where will you spend eternity? Or, you know, Danny, where will you spend eternity at? But that night in the midst of that dream, I had person after person after person that turned their back and just walked away. Because they said, oh, we'll do that later. Ah, it's not that big a deal. And it ties into another dream that I had several years ago that I told you guys about. It's not what it seems. It's not what it seems. For those of you that have been with us for a long time, you may remember that. I woke up in the middle of the night weeping. In the midst of a desolation. With a little girl in the midst of the, the smoke and the fire that had been burned. And as I went to get her, the only thing that she could say to me was, it's not what it seems. It's not what it seems. And how many people believe that a relationship with Jesus Christ is just not what it seems because of what they've experienced? But Solomon said it's real. This is what I conclude. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Either you're in or you're out. There's no other options. There is no standing on the fence. And so in concluding today, I just want to look some of you in the eye. And I just want to know, where do you spend eternity? Do you, have a, do you know without a shadow of a doubt today that if you were to die, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Jim Bullock, do you know where you'd spend eternity if you were to die? Where is that? Uh-huh. That's making a lot of you nervous, isn't it? Mike Tucker, what about you? Say, suppose you were to die today, you know where you'd spend eternity? Tom, what about you? Jerry Kingery? With Jesus. Dan? Jack Post? Jeff Bell? How do you know that? Got a relationship. Well, Drew, Drew Lucas, what about you? Wes McLean? Jeff Gower? Mary? Miss Glenna? Yeah. Yeah. Mark DeShane? John? I don't know and I don't have time to ask everybody personally. But this is my hope that if you don't know that today before you leave this place that you would declare him Jesus as Lord. Because we don't know how much sand is left in the hourglass. All we know is that time is short. And for many of us, time is shorter than most.
Can I pray with you? If you were afraid that I would call your name and that you didn't know, you wouldn't know how to answer. You know who you are. My question is, why don't you know that? Is it because that you you think you can handle it on your own? Is it because you've never heard that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that he and that he brings new life and that we can trust and obey and follow him and have that changing of a heart? Why is it that you don't know? Today if you don't know I'd love to be able to give you that opportunity to say, today I want to declare my faith in Jesus. The Bible says that if we submit ourselves to him, that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just. The Bible teaches us that all of us have sinned, but that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That Jesus' death on the cross was payment. It was payment for our sins. And today, if you'd love to have a personal relationship with Jesus, if today you would like to make him Lord of your life, you can make that decision right where you are. I'm not going to call you out and make you walk down here. This is just between you and the Lord. And right there where you are, you have that opportunity to say, Jesus, I, man, I tell you today, I just want to nail this thing down. I want to know. Today, I want to know for sure. I want to, I want to make you Lord of my life. I want, to, I, want to, I want there to be an exchange in my life where I put you in the driver's seat. I sure have made a mess of stuff. Jesus, would you take me and would you clean me up? Would you cleanse me from my sin? Would you make me whole? Father, would you forgive me? Make me new today. I need that. Would you be my Savior and Lord? And if you prayed that prayer this morning, um, with every head bowed and every eye closed just for me, just for me, would you just raise your hand just so I can see you? Man, I'd love to have a conversation. I see several people raising their hands. I just, it's just me, just me. Father, I pray for these that have raised their hands today, and I pray for the opportunity to have a conversation. Give them the boldness now to even to come to me after this service and to talk to me about this decision they've made. For those of us that are believers, Father, I pray that we would, we would be courageous in our testimony, in our, in our faith. And Father, we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would recognize that we are ambassadors. And there are people that are surrounding us in the workplace, in our, in our homes, and in our, our circle of influence that don't know Christ. And they are watching us. 
And many times they're looking at us to see, does, does it all match up? This, 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 this talk about hope in Christ and difference and change and transformation, does it all match up? Father, may we be, may we be good ambassadors. May we, may we be good ambassadors for you. May we be a, a good billboard as we go out for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope that he brings. And so I challenge those of us that are believers today, Father, as we leave this place in just a couple of minutes, that we will be your ambassadors as we go out, not for a church, not for a denomination, but for Jesus Christ. Father, that we would understand the responsibility we have to present the gospel. Father, to, to make disciples, to be, to be a disciple maker. Father, not only to become a disciple, but, but Father, to be a disciple maker of others and to, to give others what we ourselves have learned through, through the word and through experience about, our, about the revelation of the Holy Spirit and, and what God has taught us and that we would learn to disciple others so that others may come to know and grow in their faith. And so, Father, I pray that we would be encouraged in that. Thank you, Father, for the words that we read from Solomon and what we can learn. And maybe remember, Father, what really counts to fear God and to keep his commandments. May we remember that as we leave this place, that, that even though that there's a lot of stuff in life that is meaningless, that our lives are meaningful. And Father, when we live for you, that Father, there is meaning and purpose. And you've called us out with a purpose and you've given us a purpose as believers and followers of Christ and that's to bring glory to you. And so, Father, may we do that. May we do that. May we bring your glory as we live for you. Father, I again pray for those that have made that decision, saying that want to trust Jesus even this morning when they come to me. Father, if there's those that uh, have prayer requests even this morning, I'm praying that they would communicate that with us so that we can be able to be praying for them and their families. Thank you, Father, for our day-to-day. -day. Now, as we leave, may we be your ambassadors and may we be your billboards. May we be good examples. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.